It's the California Wine Country Podcast with Steve Jackson and Dan Berger. We taste, we laugh, we learn. It is time for California Wine Country with Dan Berger, featuring this week the winemaker from the William Selyam Vineyard, Mr. Jeff Mangahas. Welcome. Great to be here. Thanks, Harry. Happy to have you. Dan. Sir. You're already into the popcorn, Dan? Just munching. Just munching. Palate cleanser, right? Stop munching for a second (laughs) and talk about the wine. We traditionally begin with a wine from your cellar. What have you brought this week? Oh, it's a baby. It's a 2010 Riesling from Robert Weil, Robert W-E-I-L, from the Rheingau. And it's a 2010 Riesling. Most people would have bought this in 2011 and drunk it up in 2011 in a day. And uh, I just hold on to them for about 10 years because I think that what ends up happening with Riesling is you get so much more character. And it's the character, the personality. I love the fruit of the younger wine, but I love the complexity that you get when you have them with a little bit of age on them. And this is a baby. It's really only 11 years old. And an 11-year-old wine or even tw- just calculate 12 years at this stage you're dealing with a uh, a product that is still in transition this is going to be better in six to seven more years but i just decided it's time to open it up and drink it and where again is it from it's in the rheingau the slightly warmer region of uh the uh, uh of of the german uh, uh countryside uh, it's it's an area that is very very steep, rocky soils, uh, mostly slate, uh, almost no topsoil at all. Uh, really steep uh, vineyards. You have to hold on to steel wires uh, if you walk up the vineyard. Uh, and and this is really this wine's got that minerality, that personality of uh, of uh, young or early harvested. Uh, peaches it's it's really a delicious wine it's kind of fascinating because it even though this is a white wine right i mean it's got all the beautiful beautiful yellow green kind of color sometimes i find out of german riesling especially at this quality level there's like a red there's almost like a cherry kind of note to it which is sort of surprising don't don't you think yes exactly in fact it's interesting when people start to use their descriptors to talk about these wines they use some terms that sometimes don't often apply until you think. It's, it's, it's almost a philosophical approach. You have to think about what is in this. It's, if you look at it and your, your brain tells you it's white, that's one thing. Put it in a black glass and serve yeah, it sometime, absolutely. and you find that it changes your whole notion of what this kind of a wine is about. This is really a red wine in a certain manner. There's no color. Interesting. Yeah. I like that idea of putting it in a dark glass so that you cannot yeah, see the bring, color. I've got a I've got a, a, a four pack of black glasses. It took me forever. <laughs> to, I'll bring them in next week and we'll do a little experiment. Nice. Put somebody on the spot there. Yeah. <laughs> but not you, Jeff. No, not, this not week. me. Woo, I, I right. dodged a bullet there. That voice you were hearing is Jeff Mangahaz of the William Selyam Winery. Welcome again, Jeff. Thank you. Great to be here again. Um, I don't say I'm a regular, but I I, I definitely enjoy. Coming and chatting with Dan and tasting wine, so yeah. Well, let's it. start off for folks who may not be familiar with the winery. Uh, what is or where is and what is the William Selyam Winery? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we're a historical winery, right? I mean, the uh, Burt Williams Ed Selyam 
they started this winery in a garage and you know in the town of Fulton in the late 70s kind of making garage wine for a number of years um 1981 was actually the first commercial release for William Selliam. And, yeah, making Pinot Noir, uh, mostly a little bit of Chardonnay, a little bit of Zinfandel. Um, kind of focused on, you know, small vineyards, unique sites, um, wines that had uh, personality. And, you know, today, you know, William Selliam's uh, owned by uh, Mr. John Dyson, uh, who bought it from Burton Ed in 1998. Um same philosophy, you know, uh, little vineyards with unique personalities. So uh, we focus on mostly single vineyard wines, mostly Pinot Noir. Again, a tiny little bit of Chardonnay. Brought a, a cool Chardonnay from one of our estate vineyards. Um, and we actually just finished up harvest uh, two days ago uh, with uh, Zinfandel. Um, and, yeah, Bert and Ed were making Zin from some Martinelli uh, uh, fruit uh, back in the 80s. And, yeah, pretty historic winery, uh, little production. Uh, our wines are, you know, sold direct to consumer. Um, so you got to get on the mailing list to, to even buy our wines. Uh, they're very limited in production. Um, you know, like this Rocchioli Pinot Noir that I brought that I'm excited for everybody to taste. You know, there's only five, six hundred cases of this wine made every year. So um, got to get on the website, uh, williamsellium.com, check it out, um, sign up for the list. It's the only way to get the wine. So, And that's uh, spelled Williams, but the Sellium is S-E-L-Y-E-M, williamsellium.com. Yeah, don't forget those two S's in the middle there. Right. It's, uh, otherwise, yeah, uh, I don't actually know what will happen if you just put the one S in there. I've never <laughs> tested that myself. <laughs> you mentioned the harvest. How was this year's harvest for you Yeah, guys? harvest... Um, this was a great year. I mean, gosh, we needed it too right after, you know, last year and a, a couple of trying vintages with, you know, as we all know, uh, living in the county, the the fires and, and everything. But um, what a r- incredible vintage, actually. Even though, you know, dealing with drought and all that sort of stuff, uh, the weather was just perfect this year. Um, be able to sort of leisurely pick the grapes, which is kind of a nice feeling, actually. Um, and was able to pick everything under really ideal conditions and and um kind of at our leisure which is just uh, terrific but although uh, every didn't everything started earlier it did i mean gosh we started harvest uh around the 12th of august and we're usually some of the first uh pickers in the in the russian river valley uh pinot noir you know where, where the winery is getting back a, a little bit uh, you know, William Selliam's on uh, West Side Road, the historic, you know, sort of part of the Russian River Valley. Uh, it's a little bit warmer. We get definitely some fog influence, but not as much as, say, Sebastopol and, and, and um, you know, Green Valley. Um, so harvest is usually pretty early for us, and it's not, not uh, unusual for us to, to, to be harvesting the first or second week of, of, um, of August. So, um, yeah, typically, you know, with a lot of vineyard sites, you know, we source fruit from Anderson Valley, the Sonoma Coast, and we have a vineyard down uh, south, um, kind of in the the Gablin Mountain Range on on chalk hill, uh, chalky kind of soils. Um, such diversity in our vineyard sites, and so the grapes just kind of ripen at different times, and and we're able to to harvest everything at an optimal, you know, sugar. You know, phenolic uh, ripeness level, and kind of importantly, and Dan appreciates this. You know, the uh, freshness, acidity, that kind of thing. Um, we have such terrific, terrific vineyard sites. One of the things we've heard a lot from other uh, vintners is that the fruit 
quality is fantastic, but the yield is low. Are you experiencing the same thing? Yields were, were on the lower side. Um, I wouldn't say you know they're super low, but maybe slightly below average uh, from a historical perspective. Um, but that's okay. I mean, something we would have expected with you know going into the season. Gosh, it was only thir- we only got thirteen inches of rain uh, on West Side Road, which you know. Westside Road, typically, you know, we're in the high 20s, low 30s, so definitely less than half of, of what we normally get. So that definitely had an impact on the plant's ability to, to you know, set a good crop, and they were stressed from the get-go. Um, with, with that said, I mean, I think the quality, and you'll taste this. I brought a, a, a so getting back to the, the 2019 Rocchioli that I brought, I was tasting through barrels um, the other day, and I was so astounded with the quality of the vintage and this. I brought, I brought a 2021 um, Rocchioli, same vineyard, uh, but the new vintage. So it's still a raw, young kind of wine, but it showcases, I think, the intensity and the quality uh, of the year. So, um, yeah, a little bit lighter crop. Um, very, very high quality. Good. Dan, uh, some, some of your thoughts on the history of William Selyam. It started out being called Hacienda del Rio, which is a fabulous name, considering it was a garage. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. The original garagist winery. But uh, Bert and Ed were uh, uh, working at uh, the San Francisco Chronicle. Um, They got this property up here, and they started making the wine, and uh, it was... A revolution in a certain way because it was an innovative method for making Pinot Noir. It was a way to extract color and depth and richness without worrying about the actual deep color. These wines were lighter in weight, they were lighter in style, but the flavors were outrageously interesting. And it was all about trying to capture each vineyard's site with its own personality. And that was the most important part about what what, what Williams and Sillian were doing at the time. And originally, there were some wines there that nobody really understood. I was really fortunate to try them early on. We go to Spears Market. The only place to get them was at Spears Market. And that's Market. where Ed was. Ed Selliam was the, he was the wine buyer at, at Spears Market in Forestville. <laughs> so imagine him stocking it there. <laughs> Naturally, and that's where I learned about it. I would go b- pick up my extra two or three bottles of wine, spending you know, $22 a bottle for Pinot Noir, which was an outrageous price at the time. <laughs> but, you know, the interesting thing is that it really changed. It revolutionized uh, Russian River Valley as a wine-growing region for Pinot Noir. Um, what I like about what they did was they pushed every envelope without looking for any particular weight or depth or concentration. They weren't looking for concentration. They were looking for personality. And to me, that was really what set aside Burgundy from all the other Pinot Noirs in the world. They were personality-driven wines. Well, so were Burton Ed's. And that's what... And it has maintained itself throughout Jeff's presence on this property. This is a, a fabulous property because personality still counts for a lot. Absolutely. So, Jeff, give us some of your background. What have, How'd you start? Oh, how'd yeah. How'd you get to where you um, Kind of the abridged version. Um, no, we got plenty of time. You can talk as long as you want. Um, yeah, I, I grew up in Washington State, and that's kind of where I started to, to learn about wine. 
Um, actually, winemaking is a second career for me. I, um, I had a successful career as a research scientist. Uh, so my, my, my background, my undergrad degree is from the University of Washington in uh, molecular biology. And uh, I was fortunate enough to um, start working at the Fred Hutchinson Cancer Research Center in Seattle as a research scientist. Uh, you know, I'm fascinated by science and, you know, had published papers and actually sequenced a gene when I was in as an undergrad at the University of Washington and published a paper and then, you know, kind of parlayed that into a, a, a pure science uh, um, career and had worked there, you know, at the Hutch for a number of years, fortunate enough to work in the, the biology department at Princeton University for a couple years, again, as a research scientist and, you know, kind of focused on cancer research biology. Um, and there was a point, you know, so all the while having grown up in Washington, kind of learned about Washington wines, which are terrific. Um, they're, they were definitely on a upward sort of trajectory when I was, you know, still there. Um, and, yeah, I just started exploring different types of wines, different varieties, different regions and travel and all that and sort of kind of got the wine bug. Um, and uh, at the time, my wife and I we were living in New York City. Um, I remember these terrific trips to, to, you know, Italy and France and, you know, tasting wine and just kind of fell in love with the lifestyle and, and everything about it. And um, so decided to go back to school, change careers. I uh, went to uh, UC Davis to get my master's degree in viticulture and enology. Uh, that was in the early 2000s and have never looked back, actually. I mean, I've this is my 21st vintage in the Russian River Valley. Um, super passionate about Sonoma County, Russian River, uh, and certainly Pinot Noir. Um, my, my whole career has been based on Pinot Noir. And um, my very first job outside of, out of Davis was... Uh, I was Dan Goldfield's uh, assistant winemaker, first assistant winemaker at Dutton Goldfield, and that was such a terrific education. Uh, Dan and I are still great friends, and, yeah, talk about wine and reminisce about some of those uh, great vintages that we had together. Um, and, you know, a number of years with Dan, learned so much about West County and, and Russian River and Sonoma Coast. Um, and what year was it? It was a 2006 uh, I got my first winemaker job, head winemaker job at uh, Hartford Court, uh, so in Forestville. Again, focusing on Pinot Noir, Chardonnay from the cool climates, and um, that was incredible too. Such, such terrific vineyards that that Hartford um, uh, owns, and yeah, just sort of perfected the craft, if you will. Um, 2011. Um, I started at William Selliam, so it's been ten years. Ten years. Now, ten years at William Selliam now. Yeah. So uh, Bob Cabral was the was the winemaker at the time. I came in, worked with him for a number of years, and took over, you know, viticultural and winemaking operations uh, fully in 2014. And yeah, it's it's a dream job. I mean, incredible, incredible wines. Um, fortunate enough to have worked with many Pinot Noir vineyards up and down the Sonoma Coast and Russian River. Um, so you have a breadth of experience, and that serves me well, you know. Dan, your thoughts on his background, places he's worked? Well, he he has he has checked all the boxes. Dan Goldfield's one of my favorite uh, winemakers in this world. Uh, he has a long history. Uh, he started out uh, his career uh, at Oboe and Clamat when, or excuse me, at, uh, at uh, uh, 
La Crema. Yeah, La, La Crema in uh, when it was uh, sort of a a factory of uh, experimenters, and it was really fabulous. And then, of course, later on, he he was at uh, Hartford Court as well. He was the founding winemaker, actually, at Hartford Court. Yeah. And that's where I discovered him, and then years later, uh, he founded his own property uh, with uh, fruit from uh, uh, from the Dutton family, the fabulous Dutton family people who have uh, really been the heart and soul of uh, Russian River Valley. Absolutely. And in particular, the Southern Third, and then, of course, uh, with uh, all of the background that uh, John Dyson brings uh, with his knowledge of wine from New York State and then uh, his knowledge of wine from Italy, of course. He owns uh, Villa Pillo, I think, and yep, uh, still right. has uh, lots of interest in, in the industry. So all these people coming together all at the same time, they're all connected, and it's a fabulous uh, venture. Absolutely, yeah. John's, uh, I mean, he's a hes a force of nature. I mean, great business guy, but um, lots of viticultural experience, you know, o- along with uh, Dr. Richard Smart had developed trellising systems and, yeah, just a, 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 a unique owner, actually, in the business because he understands the viticulture as well as the winemaking as well as the business as where, you know, that, I think that's kind of unique, actually, in the wine industry, to be honest. And one aspect of this which nobody knows, although I've, I've published it in one of my articles, John and Kathy Dyson were the people who were behind the restoration of the David statue yeah, in that's Florence. Right. And yeah. that, it's pretty astounding that in Florence, Italy, there's a plaque on the wall that says John and Kathy Dyson who that's right. restored yeah. the David. Yeah. yeah. Now, you've been at William Sellium for 10 years. Yeah. What's the biggest change you've noticed over those 10 years? Yeah, I mean, the, the positive things, I mean... Gosh, the vineyards are getting older, making such consistent, incredible wines. I mean, the, the, the amazing thing, I think, about William Selium is that even though, you know, new vineyards and, and you know, uh, some, certainly some additional wines, you know, make some sparkling wine and some other, uh, other oddities, I guess, if you will, um, but a lot hasn't really changed there, which is incredible because the way that we make the wine—that's also part of a, a, a part of the special story, I think, about William Selium. There are some unique, um, you know, like our fermentation vessels or our uh, old repurposed dairy tanks, actually, mm. which are sort of unique. There, if you can kind of picture uh, a horizontal, open top, sort of trough-like stainless steel tank. Um, that's so unique in the business and you know part of that is you know the uniqueness is we get inside the tanks and we do foot treading like old school kind of style and that helps build i think texture those those are things that you don't often see in in winemaking uh these days um and so that was an innovation of Bert and ed and we still practice that today so in a lot of ways, nothing's really changed. We use the same type of barrel that that Bert and Ed used. Uh, Francois Frere, incredible, you know, match with our, our style of wine. Uh, old school kind of um, uh, whole clusters in the fermentation, which I think a lot of people shun uh, the use of whole clusters, which I think add a textural element to the wines. Um, so, yeah, I mean, great vineyard sites, new vineyards for for certain. Uh, older vineyards, I'm kind of hitting the sweet spot in terms of my career, I think, because, you know, like this Rocchioli that we're going to taste was planted in the in the mid-'80s. Um, 
it's just terrific. So, Okay, we don't usually take phone calls during California wine country, but we've got to take this one. If you guys will put your headphones on. Okay. Joining us on the KSRO hotline from California Vintners, Michael Haney. Michael, welcome to the program. Hey, how you doing today, man? You know, I'm driving home. I'm literally in Spears' parking lot, you know, <laughs> hearing this great show. And, you know, I had to just call in. I mean, Jeff's a dear friend of mine, and we talk about his, his world-class ability in winemaking, which he is, you know, William Salem is an iconic brand around the world. But Jeff is a world-class ambassador for Sonoma County around the world as well. And, and we're blessed at Sonoma County Vintners to have their support and to see what they do, not just for William Sayings, but for all of our brands and brand Sonoma. And, Jeff, I wanted to call in and just say thanks for all you do in that regard because you carry water, obviously, for not only William Sayings, but you do so much for the county, and, and we really appreciate it, buddy. Oh, thank you, Mike. It's, that's great to hear. Great to hear your voice. Uh, haven't seen you in a little bit. So, uh, yeah, no, we we such a, a, a torch to, to, to carry, right? William Selliams, Sonoma County. I mean, it's iconic to the region, and I appreciate that that, that you uh, hold us in high regard and, and myself. Well, I, I, I just wanted to say, hey, but hey, I'm going to go into Spears and get some of that $22 William Selliams Pinot now. So I'll <laughs> Here we go. Out. I was just going to ask you what wines you were picking up at Spears Market in Forestville. <laughs> I don't think it's $22 anymore. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> Michael, thanks for calling in. It's California Wine Country featuring Dan Berger with our guest this week, the winemaker from the Williams Selium Winery, Mr. Jeff Magahas. Welcome again, guys. Thank you. Thank you. We have been sampling some wine during the break. What have we been enjoying? Uh, 2019, so I brought a couple of wines where we had this delicious Riesling from, from Dan Seller. Uh, brought a 2019 Chardonnay um, from one of our estate vineyards called the Lewis McGregor uh, Estate Vineyard. Um, wish you could be drinking this with us, Steve. It's pretty awesome, I would say. Um, oh, it's definitely awesome, I would say. Oh, gosh, yeah. And, it's, Steve, you are going to be jealous. Oh, it is 100%. a fabulous Chardonnay. Right, Dan? One of the best I've tasted in years. Yeah, well, thank you. That's high praise. Thank you, Dan. Um, this is a, a unique vineyard. We bought the vineyard in 2014. It's situated on Eastside Road, um, kind of right where, if you're familiar with West County, it's um, uh, Star Road and Mark West, uh, just kind of in the heart of what's called the middle reach of, of the Russian River Valley. Uh, old vines, older vines, 20-year-old uh, Chardonnay vines, a unique clone uh, of, of Chardonnay called Wenty, um, and to me, that's these tiny little berries. They're very loose clusters. Um, you know, we don't often talk about, or people don't generally talk about, tannins in white wines. But this particular clone is kind of unique because uh, not a lot of juice in these little berries. And so you get this when you whole cluster press them. So we night harvest, cold nights, press it very quickly. You get the contact of the skin with the juice, and you get this beautiful structure from from the skin and that really translates into the wine um and with a sort of a mouth filling um kind of structure there's not a lot of new oak in this wine it's only about 25 percent uh all french oak 
Um, but great acidity. The site's known for its uh, kind of geek out a little bit. A, a very low pH, or what I'd consider a low pH uh, for the region, uh, and a good sound acidity level. So when you taste this wine, it's refreshing. It's mouth-filling. There's no residual sugar whatsoever. So the the heft that you taste on the palate is purely because of the uniqueness, I think, of the clone and, and certainly our winemaking uh, kind of style and effort uh, as well. Dan, do you want to argue with any of that? Uh, <laughs> I would never argue with Jeff. <laughs> the secret to this wine is the fact that there it splits the difference between rich and tart. You have both elements all in the same glass, and the most interesting aspect of it is that when you get the richness in the front end of your palate, you aren't really prepared for the crispness that follows in the aftertaste. So what ends up happening is you've got both elements in one glass, and it gives you the opportunity not only to drink it all by itself with maybe just a a little appetizer or whatever, or to serve it with various foods that will change the wine in a certain way, and the wine will then change the food in a certain way. It's just an incredible experience. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. No, it's... I feel like when we get to the red as well, I mean, our wines are really meant to be enjoyed with food. So definitely something with that acid, definitely, you know, gosh, I'm dreaming of some Dungeness crab, right? right well, now. Jeff, we have popcorn. Oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things I noticed, and I heard you mentioned as well, is when the wine had opened up for a while, yeah. there was a definite difference in it. Yeah. Yeah, wines are, are an evolution, right? I mean, when we harvest the grapes and we age them in these beautiful oak barrels and we top the wines, you know, they're they're kind of pent up and and you know, they they they're they're kind of starved for air. And that's one thing actually in high quality winemaking, we avoid air as much as possible. And so the wine's kind of pent up and by the time it goes into the bottle, we put a cork in it. Uh, we've protected it uh, throughout its life and you know, a lot of those beautiful aromas evolve once it hits some oxygen and so i actually opened these wines about two hours ago um uh and they're they're still evolving in the glass and and the perfect i mean the the perfect glass to drink actually i think any type of wine is what we're tasting out of it right now a burgundy bowl so you can really sort of no matter what variety it is you're you're introducing that oxygen getting that you know the the oxygen in there and and lifting the aromas and 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 also I mean the textures are developing as the wines aerated in your glass, um, so definitely a Burgundy bowl. I'm a big fan of that. Uh, whether it's Chardonnay, you know, is Infidel Pinot Noir. Cabernet. And by the way, just as a side note, Bottle Barn just got a new shipment of uh, Riedel Burgundy bowls in stock. They're loaded with them now because I, I went in a few weeks ago to find some and they had none. So they said, oh, we're out. We'll order some more. So, Well, thank you time. for mentioning our sponsor, the Bottle Barn. <laughs> yeah, very slick of you to work that in there, Dan. Thank you to the folks at Bottle Barn. I believe it's where wine country buys their wine. Am I right about that? Well, I buy my wine there. <laughs> and I certainly do as well. Wonderful. Now, you, you had a plan for our tasting this afternoon, correct? Talk I, about what your plan I was. did, yeah. So let's go ahead and pour. Dan's already got it. Let me mm. pour a little bit for you, Harry. This is the 2019 Rocchioli River Block. So, very historic uh, property on West Side Road. Uh, it was very important in the early days of William Selium. Um, you know, they were buying fruit. So, actually, the, the winery was right across the street from, from the historic Rocchioli property, um, right on West Side Road, right on the bank of the Russian River. 
and I believe William Sellian was the first to put Rocchioli um, on the vineyard on on the label vineyard uh, Rocchioli vineyard on the label, and very special site. It's you know it's got this wonderful confluence of of warm and cool nights right on the riverbank, um, pebbly kind of soil, very slow development of of the flavors and the structure, um, and it was actually the 1985 Rocchioli, William Selling Rocchioli, that won the sweepstakes uh, at the California State Fair, uh, which just catapulted William Selling into, you know, kind of the the stratosphere of, of winemaking and and put Russian River on the map, as Dan mentioned uh, earlier. So it's a very important uh, piece to William Selling history, and we're fortunate enough to continue to have this wonderful relationship with Joe and Tom. Um, making this incredible wine. So, yeah, this is the this, 2019 River Block. This, this wine has the combination, where the Chardonnay has the combination of richness and, and crispness. This one has got the combination of intensity and delicacy, all yeah. in the same glass. It's, it's a, kind of a remarkable wine in a certain way because wines like this were in existence when Williams and Selium got together and started making their wines in the early 80s, but nobody saw it because they were, some some people were looking for more density. And these wines are not dense as much as they are compact, and they provide varietal characteristics that you will never, never see in so many other producers, no matter how much they charge. Some people are charging 200 a bottle, 150 a bottle, this, I don't know what this is selling for, but it's this not This is enough. 85 a it's bottle. It's not enough. It's, just it's, not, it's, it's a pretty <laughs> incredible, <laughs> yeah. Um, to the producer, it's not enough. To no, the consumer, this is, this is, it's okay. At, at, at 85 bucks, you get your money's worth. Believe me. Nice. And what's even all those things that Dan said, I mean, it's got the power, the quiet power, um, you know, and, 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 and for me, you know, I put my nose in this glass and I'm getting this beautiful Pinot Noir perfume. Right, and that's and the word perfume applies. It, it's uh, that's oftentimes what's missing, I think, from from Pinot Noir when it's you know picked a little on the on the riper side. I mean, we this is ripe enough. There's no green elements whatsoever. It's just one. It's an amazing sight. Our gentleness and how we make the wine uh, it really preserves that freshness. But the sight is really kind of showing here with that density. And this is a wine that ages pretty much forever and kind of off air we were talking about i recently had a 1987 um william Salium rocchioli and it was still alive and fresh and just absolutely utterly delicious this is an absolutely delightful wine yeah, and, and I'll, I'll use this word it may not sound appropriate but this is an easy drink well if you get a bottle of this if you bought one bottle of it and you opened it up and you started to drink it and found that the bottle was actually less number of ounces than you anticipated. It was because you drank it all up sooner than you thought you would. <laughs> yeah, no, it's this wine's got it all. I'm super proud of this wine. 2019 was a great vintage. And this, sorry, everybody, this, this wine is actually sold out. Um, <laughs> it's, sorry. It was on our last uh, release, so again, impetus to to, to get onto the website and, and well, sign up for How was twenty twenty then, Jeff? Twenty twenty was pretty incredible too. That was actually um, you know picked before the fires and everything. I mean, again, West Side Road. We talked a little bit earlier about 
the earliness of West Side Road, and uh, I had a good good amount of the harvest in actually before the fires uh, in in twenty twenty twenty. Um, kind of the story, just quickly about that. Twenty twenty was a very very good growing season, so wines had the potential very high potential for high quality and i think our 2020 rocchioli will will show that once we bottle it um i don't think i've had a rocchioli before and i truly enjoyed that good well judging uh, by the emptiness of your glass (laughs) (laughs) you want to go into the 20 yeah so i don't know i thought this would be kind of fun i don't know if this has been done before or what but i was so impressed with the quality of this particular wine um, this is so this is from the 2020 vintage I picked Rocchioli on September uh, partly on actually August 28th the 31st and September 2nd uh, ferments you know it takes a couple of two weeks to, to fully ferment and this is in barrels this this wine has never seen any sulfur yet it's still going through malolactic fermentation we can talk about that if you want me to but um, it's a developing wine. But what's so astounding about it, you put your nose in there, mm. incredible pure fruit character about it. Um, you could sell this now. It's, <laughs> I, and that's why I kind of brought it, because I thought it was fun and lively, fresh. It still has acidity that, you know, so the malolactic process consumes some of the malic acid, so some of the kind of the harsh, uh, the harshness of it will dissipate as it goes through fully malolactic fermentation, which will take maybe another month or so. Uh, and then we'll we'll think about sulfuring it. Um, but, wow, it's lively. It's fresh. It's My first reaction was, what a beautiful color. Oh, as you poured it color. into the glass, absolutely. it's an absolutely gorgeous color. Yes. Yeah. It's darker than I expected. Yeah. Well, and, and that's the quality of this particular vintage. And I wanted to highlight, I mean, just beautiful sun uh it was a modest and we had a couple of heat spikes this year um but the grapes were very resilient um and you know beautiful loose clusters sunlight getting into the clusters and developing the color uh this was very low yield this particular uh vintage at rocchioli um and you know, oftentimes there's intensity as a as a result of uh, of, of the lower kind of crop. Um, but what a fun wine! It's and you get the depth in the 19. That's a totally finished wine, and this young raw sort of new wine. You still get that power, right? That's sort of lurking, and it just you know, the 2021 will spend 15 months in barrels. The, the acid will start to meld a little bit better with the tannins, and it'll start to get softer. Might lose a little bit of color as time goes on, too. That's sort of normal. Um, but you can see how they're related, right, the density and the power of both of these wines, even though they're from totally different I can see vintages. the parallels, but this one has got more pomegranate aromatics mm-hmm. than the, the 19. The 19 had, had already begun to evolve into a wine. Yeah. This is more related to its juice component. Yeah. It, it's definitely more vinous, more grapey, if you yeah. will. Um, and again, I mean, this has never seen any sulfur. So some of that like dark fruit element is related to an aldehyde, which mm. is 
kind of gets cleaned up a little bit with the sulfur. You know, we use a, um, a little bit of sulfur. I think sulfur is kind of important in the, keeping the freshness of the wine. Uh, but we actually use a very low concentration of sulfur, just enough to keep the wine, um, you know, safe from, from microbes, uh, but keep it fresh at the same time. So when will this wine go to market? So this is 2021 vintage. It takes 15 months to age in barrels. Um, and then, you know, we'll, you'll see this wine, 21, 22, 20, fall of 23. So we've, we've highlighted a wine that you no longer have any of and a wine that you won't be able to sell until 2023. Is that about right? <laughs> That's 100% correct, Harry. Yeah. It's, this, this is an educational show, tease. Harry. It's not for drinking. This, this show's been a big tease. <laughs> Dan, more thoughts on what we're drinking right now? Well, this is really historic in a certain way. I mean, if you were to try to find a wine of this caliber from Burgundy, your minimum price would be $300 a bottle. I mean, 300 Easy. is a conservative estimate, right? Easy. These days. And this stuff is like, it, when, when, when the Rogaley was available, it was available at $85. So you're talking about less than a third the price. Now, somebody will say, some Burgundy aficionado would say, that's not a fair comparison. I argue that it is. I've experienced Williams and Selium wines for 30 years. I know them well, and I know how well they age. And these wines are always way under the cost of Burgundy. And this is, this is if you can't afford Burgundy, sign up for the newsletter at William Selium and go for it's it. It's the only way to get the wine. That's so, it. yeah, 2023. So you don't have a tasting room. We we do. Uh, we're only, it's, it's sort of odd. Um, we don't have, we offer our wine twice a year, uh, spring and fall. And there's, gosh, there's, sometimes I have to count it. We have, we have over 50 different bottlings of wines from unique vineyard sites. And we sell the bulk of those wines on our release, one spring, one fall. And this happens to be, this Rocchioli was in the last fall release that we just sold out of the wines. Um, and we do reserve a few wines that are made just for our customers. So we're only open to our existing customer. Um, so we're close to the public. If you were a list member, there's some really interesting wines that you can come and taste, make an appointment. It's a, it's a free tasting for our, for our list members. Um, and there's some the sparkling that I mentioned uh, a couple of other just unique Pinot Noirs that are very small production and unique and, and very special. So, um, How do folks get on that list? Go to the website, join the mailing list, williamsellium.com. Uh, there's a button on the um, on the front page there, join the list. And, you know, it might take a little while. I mean, we have such a great following um, for our wines just because of, I don't know. I think the the super high quality, the limited production, um, and they're just kind of hard to get people when they're on the list. And 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 I think, you know, talking about the the price point a little bit, um, they are really good values. I think in that respect. Um, and so people, once they're on the list, they stay on the list. And and so yeah, I, I urge everybody to if you're interested in these wines. I um, haven't bought a bottle of Burgundy in the last 15 years because I can buy Sonoma County wine. 100%. And, with, and with, if if Sonoma County is producing Pinot Noir of caliber equivalent to this, that the price is between thirty five to fifty five seventy five dollars 
are absolute bargains because Burgundy is ludicrously overpriced. I'm sorry to say. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I mean, these are what a what a historic site this Rocchioli and it yeah, it is definitely a bargain for the price per quality ratio. I mean, it's you can't beat it. Finishing up our California Wine Country segment here on The Drive with Steve Jackson. Dan Berger in with William Selyam winemaker Jeff Mangahas. Dan, your final thoughts on William Selyam wines. With all the number of wines that Jeff is making, one of the most amazing is a Chenin Blanc, believe it or not. And William Selyam has a, a lot of interest in making wines that really push the envelope and this Shannon Blanc is impressive and that's uh, tell us a little bit about it Jeff. Yeah it's uh, one of the unique wines uh, one of those 50 different wines that we make and it's from one of our estate vineyards uh, called Vista Verde and it's down past Hollister it's near Calera and the Gablin Mountain Range uh, on these limestone kind of soils which is kind of unique uh, in California and it's kind of made in a Loire Valley kind of style with its freshness and higher acid, typically low acid or high acid. Um, and it's made in concrete eggs, which is pretty cool. Um, and so it's fresh, it's lively, pretty unique wine. All right, one more time with the website and getting on the list. com. two S's in the middle. Um, sign up for the list. Sounds good to me. Dan Berger. Jeff Magahas, William Selyam Winery, thanks for joining us on California Wine Country. Pleasure.